Mr. Connor is a registered representative and managing principal with Connor Wealth Management. Securities offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC. Opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, its guests, and callers, and not those of WLVL, its management, staff, or sponsors. Nothing contained in this program should be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell a security. And if applicable, only after the prospectus has been read and understood by the customer. These decisions can only be made after consideration of an investor's investment objective and the investment suitability. All right. Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, September 1st, and you are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. And uh, we are in studio with Mr. Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management. And I'd like to remind you that if you've ever missed any of the programs with Mr. Connor, you can go to WLVL.com, hit the podcast button, and you and it goes back for many, many, many moons. So you can listen to all the great programs that Mr. Connor has been on the air with us for so long. And if you would like to have a consultation with him, his office is located at 5860 Snyder Drive here in Lockport. And his phone number is 439-1143. 439-1143. But in the meantime, if you would like to join our conversation here on the air, feel free to give us a call at any point in time during the show at 433-1433-433-1433. So good morning, Mr. Connor. How are you today? I'm well. How are you doing? I, I'm, I'm all right. I'm happy. I'm, it's been a fast-paced morning, and uh, we're looking forward to it being Friday. Kind of happy about that. I don't have any gigs tonight, so I can go relax with Mrs. Eric. There you go. And life is going to be good. Labor Day weekend, so you got a little... Uh bonus time with mrs eric i do yeah of course i have a couple of gigs later on in the weekend but uh, not, oh not so just one free night well two actually because my gigs are on sunday and monday okay nice yeah well i have uh i have one uh i have two things for you one sort of related to gigs okay so um the other day I, uh, I had done an order of, uh, of uh, some computer equipment for my office, and uh, I saw the delivery vehicle pull up, and I went outside to help hold the door so that the guy could bring it in. And I said, oh, I think you're my guy today. And the gentleman's back was to me. And he said, I recognize that voice. And let's face it, I'm only on here twice a month. I don't typically think people would recognize my voice because I'm on here twice a month. Right. And he said, oh, I listen to you all the time. And he said, uh, and, and the guy you're on with, I've known him forever. Huh. And I said, oh, yeah. And so here's my, here's my little uh, humorous joke to you because I do remember his name. But he said, well, in case you forget, tell him Johnny Cash said hello. <laughs> so would you would that ring a bell to you? No. It was a it's a former classmate named Bob who you've been in a band with. Holy smokes, Bob. That goes back to the eighties. He said, You are the nicest guy, always happy, always friendly. And he said he's a loyal listener. So All right, Bob. Yeah. So hello Johnny Cash, Man yes. in Black. Yes, yes. And if memory serves, also Bob. Bob, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, he was a drummer. Yeah. All right. Boy, that goes back a long, long time. I was <laughs> I was playing in bars with that band when I was like 16. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we would go down to Olean and play for crying out loud. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, hitting the, the clubs, the clubs like the Moose Club or some darn thing. I don't know. Yeah. Something, a lot of fun. Someone that's paying you $20 for a yeah. two-hour two car ride yeah. each yeah. way. Yeah. 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 You load... You load a thousand dollars worth a year into a three hundred dollar car for a twenty dollar gig. Yeah, that was how it was. Good times. <laughs> yeah, Good times. it was. Yep. Well, I have one other uh, funny thing to sort of get started, and it's a quiz for you. So uh, this is the beginning. We often talk sports for a second. This is the beginning of college football, and you may or may not know that the University of Buffalo often takes a game on the road because they get paid a good chunk of money to sort of be the sacrificial lamb for for a big team. Okay. Uh, which is not – I am not an alum, so I'm never going to get any feedback from UB to say something like that. Right. But, but so they are on the road for their opening game in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin. Cheeseheads. Um, and their nickname is the Badgers, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, but here's my question for you. They have one of the coolest traditions in sports in their stadium. And I'm just wondering, I'll just ask you, and I we did not plan this out ahead of time. Do you know what the University of Wisconsin's football game tradition is? I have no... And it's musically inclined is, is okay. kind uh, It's probably a marching band of some sort. Oh, it involves uh, it involves marching a little bit, but... Do, do they have the drum corps thing, maybe? It is not. I give up. They bust out... Can I call a friend? ...from like 1992, the band House of Pain. They play Jump Around. No. And the entire stadium... All the fans from young to old, they jump around and rattle that stadium. Like, they talk about things falling off the tables in the press box. The stadium's like 100 years old. It's been remodeled. But they jump around to that classic, I don't even know, alternative rock song. I don't even know. Maybe, I guess you call it alt rock. What's the name of it again? House of Pain is the band, and it's Jump Around. And if anyone ever, you could just Google it for YouTube. Uh-huh. That stadium, all dressed in red, it it makes the hair stand on your arms, stand up on your arms. It is fantastic. And so UB is going to go down there and get yeah. pulverized. Yeah. And they're also going to get psychologically tortured. Yeah. Because... They're going to do this to them before they even start playing. I forget. I think they usually do it just after halftime. But uh, the one interesting thing that I recall in this whole sidetrack conversation, so anyone tuning in for business, we'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, After COVID, they busted out that song at the start of the game as as a welcome back to in-person college football. It's absolutely fantastic to see. One of the coolest traditions in sport in football uh, to see that stadium all in red rock into that song. It's really, really cool. I like it. It reminds me of the bagpipes because bagpipes, they would go to war and they would be playing the bagpipes. And, the, and, wow. the, and as they were approaching their 
their enemy, they would hear it and go, oh, man, we're, get, we're, we're going to get slaughtered because okay, here so, comes the bagpipes. So you don't know the song then? No. Well, there is a – at the beginning, there, it, they've sampled some horns – uh, that always I always think of as a bagpipe type of sound. They do, in fact, have that sort of signal that. No. Wrong song. Jump around. House of Pain, jump around. It says the official music video. Hmm. Maybe the... That is, uh, that is not it. That I could probably. A... That's all right. So, so at any rate, while we're having this fun frolicking for <laughs> frivolities here on Ask the Pro. Yep. Uh, so anyone who's going to watch UB football, be on the lookout for that because you'll, you'll like it as a diversion within the game because the score is probably not going to go your way. Oh, boy, them poor guys. Yeah, but, well, but UB will get paid handsomely as a sports department for making the trip. Okay, well, I guess they got to make some money somehow. They do. They got to yeah. help pay the bills. Were you listening to Tradio on your way in? Probably not. I was not. Well, there was a lady on Tradio who says she's going to give $50 to someone to perform a task for her. I said, what is the said task? She said, they'll find out when they call. <laughs> wow. I went, okay, that's enough information for me. Let's go on to the next caller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of callers, folks, you can call us. With your financial questions with Mr. Connor at 433-1433. So I was listening to the news, and the stock market went up like 100 points a little while ago. Yeah, we got off to a good good start. Uh, And we did have a jobs report, which i got to say I'm mildly confused about because we don't normally have a jobs report when when a Friday falls on the first of the month. But... I don't know. Somehow they had it. Maybe they've improved their technology or something, and they've come out with a jobs report today, which is great. So um, the number came in slightly above expectations. The expectations were not high. And so the market likes what it heard, not strictly because of the jobs number, but because it's low enough that they think – we're probably not going to have an interest rate hike. So Tell there's me. a lot that goes into it. But what had happened was we had had booming jobs report of the last couple months. Right. Here we are. What did they do? They revised those numbers lower, which I had alluded to the fact that they right. seemed awfully rosy. Right. Don't be surprised if they get lowered. So from June and July – they backed away 110,000 jobs total. Okay. Not 110 each month, right. 110,000 total. And so I don't have in front of me what the June and July number was, but I know that I think it was the July number was like 350,000 jobs. Like it was way yeah, yeah, above was expectations. And that's why I said, like, don't get too excited. They will probably revise that lower. So if you take June and July revised lower, and you take this first shot, first snapshot of August being about 187,000 jobs created, it sort of lays the groundwork for maybe the pace of hiring has moderated just a little, which would allow the idea 
of not raising rates, which the Fed had kind of forecast they would do. Right. And I've said, like, I don't really – I'm not so sure that's going to happen or it, I don't really think it's going to happen quick. And so the uh, – the um, the prediction market, the way uh, they can analyze the pricing, it looks like there's a 93% chance that there will not be a raise in September the way the market is pricing it right now, which I would say, yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that the Fed would be able to raise rates in September. I think if if they squeeze out another 25 basis points, I think it's closer to the end of the year. So. It sort of fits with how I viewed it. I don't think they can just keep stair-stepping these uh, interest rate increases one after another after another like they had done for a year and a half. I thought they had to back off. And so that kind of looks like where we're at. And so circling back, that's why the market's higher today. It's not so much about the jobs. It's that they don't think that the Fed would have to raise rates and therefore prices are up a little bit in the stock market today. Because I I heard in the same report that uh, unemployment's up as well. Yeah, so the unemployment rate went from 3.5 to 3.8 and that falls into a trickier category because that all depends on how many people are actively searching for a job. It doesn't really relate to job creation or not. So, like, we created 187,000 jobs. You wouldn't really think that the unemployment rate would go up. But there's a lot of little, like, moving parts to it. And so it squeaked up to that 3.8 figure. Would would kids returning to college be a factor in that? Partially. Because they're giving up up their summer jobs and hoping they can collect a little unemployment. Correct. When they get back to school. Yeah, and that would become part of what they call the seasonality to some of these numbers. That's exactly right. Okay. Just like... The labor force expands in May when you have a whole new batch of college graduates. Right. Because they weren't looking for a job. They don't count in the labor force participation rate. Right. And then they are looking for jobs. And so that also fits into the unemployment category as well. But that's a uh, sort of a different scenario there. Sure it is. Sure it is. So. As as this as the ebb and flow goes, as we always talk about every every time we talk to each other, there's an ebb and flow that sometimes the bear eats us, sometimes we eat the bear. bear. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> bear markets. Yeah. There's also the old joke, you know, if there's a bunch of you, how fast do you need to outrun the bear? You don't. You just need to outrun the slowest guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And the first time as a as a young person, when you hear that for the first time, you think it's the most hilarious it joke is. ever. And then it, you go, well, yeah, that makes sense. It absolutely yeah. is. Funny. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Great stuff. So, again, once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, because it is a, a 10, 1030 here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com, we have Mr. Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management. He is the president, CEO, and the man at the place. And his office is located at 5860 Snyder Drive here in the city of Lockport. And he would be happy to give you a consultation if you call his office at 439-1143. That's 439-1143, ConnorWealth.com. But in the meantime, 
maybe you have some questions about your financial health or your some of your investments, or maybe you would like to just talk to Mr. Connor about investing, please feel free to give us a call. We, we're here to talk to you. So 433-1433. We're definitely here to uh, to answer any questions that you have. 433-1433. So, Eric, i got to ask you, maybe this is the right one. That's it. Okay. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know what this is. And so the whole stadium jumps around to this. Oh, that's got to be fun. It is awesome. It's about three minutes. It's probably the aerobic exercise of the day for that 80,000 people well lubricated. Oh, yeah, well lubricated. Let's see. (laughs) Wisconsin. Uh, Yeah, beer. Yeah. Schultz, Schnatz, Schnatz, Schlitz, and... I was just thinking of Laverne and Shirley. Oh, they were in Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, though. Yeah, Schlitz, yeah. Schnatz, Schnatz. Um, Schatz. Schatz beer. Is that what... Yeah, I think Laverne they came up with Schatz as a take on Schlitz because right. they wouldn't have used the real name. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was the Schatz Brewery, and it was like S-C-H-O-T-Z. Yes, 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 yes. Great stuff. <laughs> That was actually kind of a funny show at first. Yeah, absolutely. For the first two seasons or so, it was yeah. really funny. And then, just like any other sitcom, they ran out of plots. And and that's where the term Jump the Shark came from, was Happy Days. Yeah, Fonzie in the leather jacket. Yes. Uh, water skiing. Yes. Although, ironically, they did keep that series going for like another six years after that. But it did come from Fonzie, yes. Yeah, horribly done after after that as well. That was that was awful. Well, that series, yeah, we could totally yeah, get sidetracked. Yeah, yeah into we randomness. could really get sidetracked. Yes, you know, once Ron Howard left that series, it really went downhill. Richie, yeah. as Richie yeah. Cunningham, yes. he left and started his career, and, and then they brought his brother back or something. Remember, remember, he had a brother in the first episode, Chuck, and then he was just gone. Yeah, he just disappeared. Yeah, and then like eight years later, he's back. Well, and they tried to make Chachi be a big thing, so. Well, anyway. Yeah, anyways. So back to finances. So so I want to uh, I wanted to mention something and and you can and so you can certainly throw in your two cents on on this uh, news of the week. So um, the the federal government uh, in one of the bills that became law, uh, I think it was last year finally got to where they were going to be able to negotiate drug prices on a Medicare basis. Right. And so this week, they finally announced what the first, and they're going to go slow, because God forbid that the federal government moves fast. They're going to, they this week they named their first 10 drugs that they're going to negotiate lower prices and on there were a few names that I knew, a couple names that I don't know. Uh, the prominent one that's sticking in my head is the blood thinner Eliquis, which is prescribed all the time for blood clot prevention, stroke prevention, right. uh, AFib, atrial fibrillation. Got that word out of my mouth pretty well. That was really good. Yeah, that was good. Could almost see it. So you could see the pained expression on my face. So you're trying to spit out specificity. Yeah. Well, there's certain words I just <laughs> don't try to say. That's right. Um, 
So I'm, I'm bringing it up for two reasons. One is that listeners that are on Medicare and have some high out-of-pocket costs for these 10 drugs in the future, because it is not going to be immediate, in the future can expect some l- lower costs. And there are insulin drugs on there, which is fantastic for all the diabetics out there. Um, they've fallen into these categories where even though you have Medicare insurance and even though you might have Part D prescription drug coverage, you could still have a very sizable out-of-pocket cost. And so the idea behind this is that the federal government will use their bulk purchasing power to lower prices down on an individual level, which is totally reasonable, totally uh, it's what basically every other country on earth does for its <laughs> for its citizens. So, so the government would be the distribution center then. They, in essence, would get the they would acquire the quantity discount. Okay. You, as the citizen, would still be able to just get it wherever you normally do, whether it's your local um, uh, pharmacy or whether it's one of the by mail systems, depending on who right. your um, insurance provider setup is, and so. It should, for a large number of Americans, lower their out-of-pocket drug costs in the future when these take effect. And after this first 10, then they're going to create another list of 10 more. And then I forget how it transpires. But it's a series of years that they'll keep negotiating lower prices. So I'm bringing it up because obviously fewer dollars out of your pocket, that's a good thing. But I also want to bring up the other side to that work is that it means those drug companies that are selling billions and billions of dollars worth of drugs will be having less revenue from those drugs in the future. Right. And so it's one of those long run uh, news items that we have to pay attention to. If you're Owning some of these drug stocks or if you have a drug position uh, in your portfolio, it's one of these news items you'll want to keep an eye out for because, in essence, lower revenue by default has to end up meaning smaller profits for those companies. doesn't mean they're going to go to a loss. They certainly will not magically start losing money just because they're charging less money to the government than they did to us. But it'll be a hit to their revenue, and it has to have some trickle-through effect to their bottom line, which is the profit. And so I bring it up because it's interesting. It affects us in out-of-pocket costs, but we also have to pay attention to how it might affect positions within our portfolios or just for the listeners that have had a position. Maybe they've owned a drug stock for a very long time. But if if that company has two or three or four drugs that are going to be affected – you might want to investigate it or keep an extra close eye on it to see what news comes from those companies. They will certainly project the ramifications of that drug uh, pricing difference as time goes on. So when they do their quarterly uh, earnings report or when they do an investor day, 
they will eventually talk about what those ramifications are. So I'll give a broad example. They might say, we're expecting to average a 10% decline in revenue, and that will equate to, uh, say, 7% decline in profit. That's something, if, if those sorts of numbers came to pass, you would almost definitely see that share price declined by some amount of money. And so if you're holding those shares over the long term, you'll want to pay attention to how that uh, how the, the drug uh, bargaining pans out. It could be fairly small and not too big a deal if it's one drug for a company and that drug is not that big a portion of the company's revenue overall. Or I will say it could be a very big deal. And so you'll just want to pay attention to it. And that news is just of this week. So it's really interesting. Uh, and again, it's it can affect you in both ways. Out-of-pocket is the here and now, right, the actual monthly expense. But the other side could be on your investment portfolio. And so you just want to pay attention to how, how the actual news items can have an effect on what long run might affect your portfolio right and that actually goes to the whole point of having this program they should come to you so you can diversify the investments so that you have that safeguard if something does go down a little bit no big deal you've got diversity in your investments you're all across the board you're safe in your investments as an overall picture and have guys like you doing their homework going well maybe it's time to move this guy over here a little bit and this guy over there a little bit and the, and that's the whole point. Correct. Correct. So, it's it's that idea of how do you take in new information and then develop an idea as to whether we need to make any adjustment in the portfolio. That's right. exactly right. You just you take in the info, you process it, and sometimes it's news that has no real impact and you just shrug your shoulders and don't worry about it. But then other times you say, oh, no, this is real news. And in this drug bargaining case situation, it potentially is real news. Right. So, yeah, that's right. You you don't want to just put it in a, you know, the old expression, put it in a drawer and forget about it. Right. You do want to pay attention to what you have and why you have it. That's right. And, and then the, the news is, a, is an interesting study all of its own because there's a perceived importance at times too there's you know a story might come out where it's really insignificant but the way it's presented or what we see it is we perceive it as something that could be uh devastational to our situation and actually it's it's not it's just something they're just talking heads talking because that's what they do yeah and i would i would use uh the government shutdown talk over time which we've read about seen on tv we lived through it one or two or three times a year it seems but what does it really mean to us nothing nothing right so there are times when the stock market gets a little bit of agita about (laughs) to to use that word a little bit of agita and uh, you know all of a sudden the market sells off a little bit on a on a given day and they say oh it's because of concerns about a government shutdown well i don't know if you need a car Aren't you going to go buy the car regardless of whether the government has a shutdown situation or not? Or if you need to 
buy a pizza for dinner? Aren't you buying a pizza for dinner? If you need to pick up your prescription, aren't you picking up your prescription? Like, I just put it in that category. The, the government shutdown talk is annoying, but it has basically zero to do with the stock market. And they really never shut down. Not realistically. That's right. Everyone Every, always gets paid. Get Every bill is paid. They're still collecting our taxes. Yep. It's always fine. And so I actually bring that up because CNBC.com, one of the news items of the day, government shutdown. And I had not, because I don't view it as overly important, turns out they the current spending apparently is set to expire uh, on September the 30th. So we're going to walk our way into another conversation about passing a spending bill so that the government can pay its bills and on and on and on. And it's going to be the same as always, which doesn't matter to Joe Sixpack sitting at home, just doesn't. Uh, And then the point that I bring up repeatedly is the only reason we ever have these government shutdown conversations is because Congress does not pass a legitimate budget to carry through the spending and the debt ceiling raises that are required. All Congress has done for years now is just pass these short-term spending bills. And sometimes they're three months, sometimes they're six months, sometimes they're longer, depending on the agreement. But it's all centered around the fact that one of their one of Congress's fundamental jobs is to debate about and pass an actual budget for the country, and they do not do that in the way that we did it for two hundred years. They now fight about everything. So we have supplemental spending agreements. We they pass military spending separate from a regular budget. They pass emergency bailout money um, for like FEMA for when, you know, part of Maui catches on fire or Florida gets hit with a hurricane. They fund it all on separate spending bills instead of in one comprehensive budget. And that's what leads us to these government shutdown talks. So again, it's, it, it has nothing to do with the stock market, but occasionally the stock market cares. Right. But for me, I it's always an insignificant event right. for it's, me. It's hyperbole. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so you read about it, you hear about it, you think it's really, really important. As long as they just do their job, it's not important at all. Right. Just do your job. Yeah. <laughs> just. It's the bare minimum we could ask. We send that's, them. That's right. We send them. We elect them. We send them there. Right, and you know, and and we have to remind them that this is a representative republic. It's not a democracy. It is a representative republic. They need to represent us, so that the individual has individual rights. It's yeah. It's, but uh, it's li- in con- from Congress's standpoint, like they are the ones with the power of the purse. That's right. And they've abdicated that power in a in a comprehensive way for years and years and years. Not, I'm a, I'm not a political scholar, but right. I couldn't tell you the last time they passed a, a legitimate budget right. in the traditional sense. It's been for it in, in, in my memory anyway. It's been very 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 long time. We've had years of this infighting. So, 
in the in the, the, the debt ceiling arguments. You know, could, is it even possible to ever pay the debt that this country owes? No, but the debt ceiling argument is it's a fake argument anyway because every time you pass a spending bill, you're always budgeting you're forecasting some amount of revenue right and some amount of expenditure mm-hmm. so by default you are cho- the, they as representatives they are choosing to raise the debt ceiling every time they do that right but then later they get to fight about it and be like well we're you know the posturing oh we're yes. not going to we're not going to keep raising the debt ceiling well really you already spent the money right it's just theater yeah. Totally. And and don't we owe most of the money to ourselves anyways? An awful lot of it is to ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So uh, I, I don't understand how it works, but uh, at some point in time, we're going to have to clean the slate. Yeah. And start start over. Start yeah. fresh. Yeah. And that, that brings up the next the question I have is, what about this BRICS thing where they're going to a, a gold, silver, and a valuable metal standard? <laughs> and they're all, they all, they bought a bunch of gold. I guess they have it. And they're inviting other countries to join them. Yeah. What, what impact is that going to have on the U.S. dollar? So uh, BRICS is an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South, Afri- uh, South Africa. Uh, and the, the, the countries that don't really fit in there in a perfect sense are India and China. But Brazil, Russia, and South Africa – have large deposits of commodities that people want, whether it's gold, silver, platinum, palladium, iron ore, um, probably something I'm forgetting. Stuff that's heavy if you drop it on your foot. Let's say that. <laughs> and Did you have lithium in there? I did not. I okay, did not. because there's a lithium shortage right now. There is, yes. Yeah. So um, – those countries have sort of banded together with the idea that they have kind of some common uh, economic interests. In China's case, their interest is being able to get their hands on any kind of supplies, commodities that they don't have naturally in their own country. Uh, India is the interesting one. They kind of straddle the fence where they're they're a democracy – uh, but they've tended to have close relationships with Russia over the years because they get plenty of food and commodity, uh, metal commodity and energy products from Russia. So they tend to not be an enemy of Russia. They're not exactly their best friend because at the end of the day, India is a democracy and Russia certainly is not. But from an economic tie, they view them as important. So there's this group outside of the normal developed economies of the world when, you know, you would think of like the U.S. and Great Britain and the European Union and Japan. Uh, and in this case, you'd throw in South Korea um, in that grouping, there's a lot more economic freedom, a lot more free trade or open trade, um, a lot less protectionism. And so the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they tend to be not quite as open, not quite as democratic, not quite as 
free trade oriented, a lot more top down planning from the government. And so those two parties, those two blocks, they don't necessarily integrate very well because they don't have the same objectives. And so your question was saying about them sort of joining together and trying to get a a little bit bigger uh, group together for their own common good and the idea that they would want to use something other than the U.S. dollar to trade in. And... I think I just always fall back to uh, flippantly saying, good luck. You, you know, they for a while they wanted to price oil in a, a basket of currencies and that never really took off. And now they want to go back to the idea of gold being really important. And I would say, well, three of those countries want it to be gold because they can dig it out of their own ground. Sure. And so if they can convince other people that yellow metal dug out of the ground is really important, uh, that would be good for them. It wouldn't really be good for India and China. India is a huge consumer of gold. They um, they use a ton of it in their jewelry, and that's really uh, part of their culture. Uh, but they don't have a lot of gold themselves within their, their country. Uh, and so I... You know, Eric, I don't think it's much of a risk in terms of the world economy. I don't think it's much of a risk in terms of the American dollar. Uh, I would say somewhere long in the future, does the American dollar have a problem? Yeah, probably in terms of the reserve currency, maybe. But um, I saw just a week or two ago this interesting chart that showed how for years for a 20-year period china had been gaining on us on a gdp standpoint right right? Right. we know a few years ago they passed japan as the second largest economy in the world Mm -hmm. and they had been gaining on us as well which i would just say yeah doesn't that make sense they have like four times as many people as we do so it would make sense that gross domestic product that they would gain on us but an interesting thing has happened that chart of them gaining on us suddenly is broken and china has started not gaining on us they've started shrinking compared to our gross domestic product and that that rounding off and lowering has happened now for i forget exactly but i want to say it's at least the last nine months or maybe a year, China has economic troubles. They are a very imperfect economy, meaning they have a lot of structural problems. There is a lot of indebtedness in their economy. It is top-down driven from the government. So if you can make a joke in the U.S. saying, I wouldn't want the federal government planning anything. Right. Well, that answer isn't any different when the country's China. You don't need their, their President Xi deciding right. where new roads are getting built or what new uh, industry they're going to expand in. It's not going to work any better over there than it ever worked here. So 
China has a lot of problems. And in that BRICS scenario, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, you have a bunch of poorly functioning economies. Even Brazil. Brazil's sort of this weird mixture of tons of population and a lot of productivity. But uh, they are a huge mess in terms of how do they actually function. They've had a couple of companies that I've been interested in and have occasionally invested money in. But I can't stay there consistently because they just don't ever keep their ship pointed in the right direction. Right. And they run into trouble. And so um, why any of those countries would want to tie themselves to Russia in this moment in time, I have no idea. But in terms of like, do I think they'll really have an impact? I do not. Because every one of them needs American consumers and European consumers or they will go into horrible economic times. Right. So they don't have any leverage, right? right? They don't have a way. It's not like the 1970s where OPEC, in that moment, OPEC had a way to sort of create an energy crisis for us. Mm-hmm. Brazil, Russia, India, China, I don't know. I'm not, I can't think of any particular thing that they would really be able to squeeze us on and not hurt themselves just as much. And that's sort of the, where leverage comes in, right? It's if I can potentially inflict more pain on the other person than I take on myself, I might win that battle. Right. But if they're going to hurt just as much, uh, they can't really – there's no real leverage there. Right. So, you know, they do control a lot of commodities. As you pointed out, there's a lithium issue in the world. There's a cobalt issue in the yes. world. There is a nickel problem in the world. Um, and what history shows us is that in most of those cases, eventually scientists figure out a different way to solve the problem, meaning they use a different metal. Right. I'll use lithium for a second. There is progress that's quickly getting made on sodium batteries as opposed to lithium batteries for electronic, for electric vehicles. Okay. The sodium batteries are not – they're not imminent. They are not going to sh- magically show up in a Tesla in the next six months or anything like that. But the early progress on these um, uh, these sodium mixture – because, of course, sodium is everywhere. It's literally in mm-hmm. seawater, you know, like it's yeah. – there's no shortage. Uh, it's lighter. The battery would come out lighter than lithium. It would have a longer charge for battery range, and you could charge it faster. And so, and obviously it would end up being cheaper because of the plentifulness of the sodium. So, you know, in the here and now, do we have a lithium shortage that's a big problem? No, it's a mild problem, right? But there's no shortage of iPhone batteries or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But... Go down the road three, four, five years. Maybe they master the sodium technology for the batteries, and then lithium just ceases to be a problem. That would be wonderful. Yeah, that would be, that'd be a good thing. Yeah. Because they're digging big holes in years to find that stuff. 
Correct. It is not a clean, there is not a kind, clean way of getting lithium out of the ground. It is very messy. It is very toxic what's left behind. Yes, and you have to move a lot of earth to make one battery. Yep, yep. so it's, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. As far as uh, it is, but <laughs> what happens the interesting are... part there is just me saying the idea that I don't think bricks. Uh, you know, again, good luck. I don't think right. they. I don't think they make any real headway. Right. You know, maybe they trade a little nicer in their own group, but I don't think it meshes very well with the rest of the world. Right, so they can they can trade their rubles amongst themselves and correct, and then when the when it's time to play with the big boys, they will they will show up to the table. Correct. The American uh, the American economy is twenty five percent of the world That's economy right. still. That's right. So, are, are you really going to cut us out? I am. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if you're if you're China, oh, whatever, oh, are you really going to oh, cut? Oh no, they're you, not. You're really going to cut twenty five percent of the. No. You know, it just doesn't work. No, they need us. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that you're bringing this back in for our bump music. You got 30 seconds, Mr. Connor. Listen, enjoy the long weekend. We're going to heat back up. So maybe we got some some great uh, uh, end of the summer weather to look forward to. Watch UB football just so you can hear jump around and see that stadium in all its glory. It is fantastic. That's great. Listen, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a glorious weekend, folks. Listen, WLVL 1340 AM, WLVL.com.